So we are in this sermon series called Clean Slate, um, where we're talking about the ways that we've been called to steward. We know that sometimes we get it wrong, this role of ours to steward the things we've been given. And so over the next few weeks, it's, it's a chance for all of us to begin again, to wipe our slate clean, as it were, and to start anew our relationship with God and with our neighbors. So I want to tell you a story. The year is approximately 1985. Anybody remember 1985? Right, Ronald Reagan was president. That's the year We Are the World was all over the radio. Cherry Coke was released and embraced by the world in 1985. New Coke was released and wasn't embraced by the world. And two 10-year-old boys are walking down Broadway in Logansport, Indiana, crying. One boy, let's call him boy number A. Boy number A is on the south side of Broadway alone. The other boy, we'll call him boy number B, he's on the north side walking with two 13-year-olds. Both 10-year-olds are yelling threats and curses at each other, which between the sobs and the vocal stylings of puberty are becoming increasingly unintelligible. And right when things get the loudest, the sobbiest, the most unintelligible, boy A yells out clear as day, give me back my shorts! And everything stops. The 13-year-old boys accompanying them stop and hide, by the way. Traffic stopped. I'm pretty sure time itself stopped. I was texting with my best friend, um, Nathaniel, about that moment this week. We both remember, we were the 10-year-olds, clear <laughs> as day. Except we don't remember, like, who was boy A and who was boy number B. And we went back and forth for a minute, and then we finally decided that Nathaniel was most likely boy number A because there were too many lanes of traffic for my timid behind to cross alone. So I was probably on the side with other people. And at any rate, Nathaniel was far more argumentative than I was, so he would do anything, even demand his shorts back loudly through tears in public <laughs> to win an argument. But the funny thing is that neither of us could remember what started that argument. Now, 40 years later, neither one of us could remember what caused these two inseparable best friends to fracture in such a fabulous, nearly publicly pantsless fashion. It wasn't lost to us that the moment, in our moment of greatest pain, the moment that has stuck with us for 40 years, the moment that stopped the world from spinning, came down to a question of who owns what? Who owns what? Give me back my shorts. My shorts. Now, if I'd known then what I know now, I, my friend wouldn't have left me silent with his demands for his apparel back. I would have come back with a little philosophy, a little theology. Give me back my shorts. Your shorts? Really? Your shorts. Do any of us really own any of this? Is any of this stuff of life really ours? No, none of this is yours. Your shorts? Ah, friend. So this is, um, this is our scripture today. It's Genesis chapter 1, it's verses 26. We're going to start there. 
through 31. This is the New International Reader's Version. And it goes like this. Then God said, let us make human beings so that they are like us. Let them rule over the fish and the seas and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. And let them rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them to be like himself. He created them as male and female. God blessed them. He said to them, have children so that there will be many of you. Fill the earth and bring it under your control. Rule over the fish in the skies and the birds in the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky. Rule over every living creature that moves along the ground. And then God said, I'm giving you every plant on the face of the whole earth that produces its own seeds. I'm giving you every tree that has fruit with seeds. I'm giving you all of them. All of them will be given to you for food. I'm giving every green plant as food for all the land animals and for all the birds in the sky. I'm also giving the plants to all the creatures that move along the ground. I'm giving them to every living thing that breathes. And that's exactly what happened. God saw everything he had made and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning. It was day six. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather. We thank you for all that you have given us. And today we open ourselves today for a new word that you might share with each and every one of us. You know our hearts. Help us to know you more. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So imagine this scripture is pretty familiar to us. Like, it's Genesis 1, so it's still the part of the Bible that we read when we decide we're going to read the whole Bible from front to back this year. How often do we actually finish? But at least we tend to make it to the end of the first chapter of Genesis, to the end of the sixth day of creation. So you might have read that in the beginning, God created the heavens. And the earth, God did that. God separated the light from the darkness on the first day, created sky on the second day. On the third day, God created land and seed-bearing plants. He made the sun and the moon and the stars on the fourth day and birds and sea animals on the fifth. And finally, on the sixth day, God made the animals that live on the land, including human beings, especially human beings, us. Because there was a big difference between us and the rest of the land animals. For starters, we're the only ones made in God's image. That's pretty big, huge, really. Life-affirming, life-changing. But there was something else, right? Not just that we were made in God's image, but God said, let us make human beings so that they are like us. Let them rule over the fish and the seas and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and the wild animals, all the plants and the trees and the seeds and the fruit. Well, almost all the fruit, all but one. We are given rule, dominion, control over all the things of the earth, all the things that God created, all of God's things. That's it, really, right? Everything. Us included is God's first because God 
made everything. But out of all those things, we have been chosen, blessed, and trusted with care for shepherding all of God's creation. And so that's the picture we get of Adam and of Eve and of God in the garden. That's the picture of the life we were created to live. God put Adam in in the garden to tend to creation. And Adam, first thing he does, he names all the creatures. God made Adam a partner in his stewardship campaign. Eve. Eve. And they lived in perfect relationship with God. Adam, Eve, and God, one another, and the plants and the animals of the garden. They, we are created to be stewards. It's why God set us apart from everything else he created. In their classic book on stewardship, it, 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 it's, it's, um, ah, it's called um, Sowers. Scott Roden and Gary Hogue share four relationships that our God, who is relationship, by the way, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, four relationships that God calls us to steward. There are relationships with one, God, with two, ourselves, with three, our neighbors, and with four, the created world. And after they introduced these four relationships we're called to steward, Rodin and Hogue proceed to show us how we went on to break all of those relationships. Like right off the bat, God made everything, and God makes us to tend his creation. He says, all of this is yours to cultivate, yours to shepherd, yours to eat. Well, all of this but the fruit of, of that tree. I made everything and everything is good, but it would not be good for you to eat the fruit of that tree. I made it. It's mine. Don't eat it. Anybody ever said that? (laughs) Usually it's cookies and not fruits on a tree. And what do we do? We don't care who owns it. We eat it. And fruit ain't like shorts. Like you can't give them back once you've used them. You can't give the fruit back. And when we ate that fruit, When we failed in our relationship as stewards, our relationship with God is broken. You know, we used to walk in the garden with God. Did you hear that? Like, we used to walk in the garden next to God, tending to the plants. We were created to share in the beauty of creation next to God. But now, what were we doing? We were hiding from God. We broke the relationship. And then our relationship with ourselves is broken. We became ashamed of ourselves, of our bodies, of who we become, and so we covered ourselves with fig leaves. And our relationship with our neighbor was broken, right? God's like, hey, why'd you eat the apple? And what does Adam do? She made me do it. <laughs> right? Blame your neighbor. God, as he eat, why did you? The snake made me do it. We started playing the blame game. We start pointing fingers, and we stopped loving our neighbors like we love ourselves. And finally, our relationship with the created world was broken. Cursed is the ground because of you, God told Adam. And God made clothing for Adam and Eve from the skins of animals, animals that now have to die because of our pride and desire to own, to control everything. And ever since that one moment in the garden, we've been, we've been grabbing apples, trying to claim and own, dominate and control everything and everyone around us, when really God created us to steward, not control. 
to cultivate life and future possibility, not use and abuse for our own comfort until there's nothing left. As if everything, apples, shorts, and all, were actually ours to begin with. Scripture talks about us as stewards. You might have also heard scriptures that talk about us as shepherds. It's kind of floating in the same world. There's similar roles. And a renowned Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, he links our failure to live up to our calling as stewards with our failure to live up to our calling as shepherds that Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, calls us out for. Ezekiel's words in chapter 34 sound eerily familiar to how we continue to treat ourselves, each other, and the world. This is what Ezekiel says, The Lord and King says, How terrible it will be for you shepherds of Israel. You only take care of yourselves. You should take good care of your flocks. Instead, you eat the... I eat all the butter. You dress yourselves with the wool. You kill the finest animals, but you do not take care of your flocks. You have not made the weak ones in the flock stronger. You have not healed the sick. You have not bandaged those who are hurt. You have not brought back those who have wandered away. You have not searched for the lost. When you ruled over them, you were mean to them. You treated them how? Badly. So they were scattered because they did not have a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and high hills. They were scattered over the whole earth. No one searched for them. No one looked for them. Does that sound familiar to anyone? I imagine most of us in this room have felt unlooked for at some point in our life not stewarded by our neighbors. I imagine some of us have failed to look for the lost. Some of us have eaten all the butter. Oh, the poor pastor has no butter. <laughs> We've all been there. We were created to shepherd God's creation. We were created to be stewards of what God has made. None of this is ours, really. And yet we use and abuse ourselves and each other, and the world like we own each other and the world. And mostly we do that to make more stuff for us to own. So much stuff, like Ken said last week, that we're running out of places to store all of it. We're eating the butter, we're dressing ourselves in the wool, we're killing the finest animals, and we're killing each other. We're not taking care of the flocks. We're not stewarding what God has made. We're not doing the job we were created to do. And it's not helping us. Like, it's not making us any happier. Instead, I think it's making us angrier, more suspicious of each other, more anxious, lonelier. Stewardship is relationship. And we've got our relationships out of whack. As Ken reminded us last week, instead of stewarding the things that God has given us, instead of caring for the created world, we've continued to turn everything around us into idols. We've continued to, like Aaron and the Israelites, turning, God, it, turning the gold that God meant to sustain them through their wilderness journey into a giant golden calf they begin to worship. We continue to turn the things of this world into golden calves that we worship, own, control, and desecrate rather than 
cultivate and continue to break our relationship with the world around us. And in our mad clamor to own and control more and more and more, we step all over each other. We push each other down. We sacrifice our relationships, our friendships, and our families at the altar of things. Things that were never ours to begin with. How many people have seen a family fall apart over the things left behind when someone passes? We sacrifice our relationships for things. Things that were never ours to begin with. And we sacrifice ourselves. We work ourselves to death. For what? For more stuff? More things that were never ours to begin with? And then we neglect ourselves or we mutilate ourselves trying to make ourselves better than the selves that God created. And like the shepherd losing her sheep, so often we lose ourselves in a vain attempt to gain the whole world. And we put our relationship with God, who's supposed to be first, which is the whole reason we were created, to walk in the garden alongside the Creator, enjoying and tending to His creation. We put our relationship with God where? Last. And we wonder why things are so broken. We wonder why we find ourselves railing against God in the middle of the street. God, give me back my shorts! Am I the only one there? As if they were ever really ours to begin with. That's what strikes me about that moment in my life with my friend Nathaniel. We still don't remember what started us down that path of brokenness. That's not the memory we hold. We don't remember why we were crying. We don't remember why, frankly, we were embarrassing ourselves like all over the place. We don't remember what caused us to fail to steward our relationship with one another properly. We don't remember the things we were fighting over. I can guarantee it was some thing that we were fighting over, some idol we'd made out of what God had given us. I can't even tell you what color shorts we were wearing. That became the symbol of our brokenness. Only that it was the 80s, so they were probably like up to here in that weird, awkward, embarrassing fashion time that was coming back there for a moment. And I was like, no, no. All we can remember, my friend and I, is the pain that we felt when our relationship with one another was suffering. Isn't that life? Like we continue to wreck God's creation. We continue to wreck our relationships with one another and with ourselves. We continue to neglect our relationship with God. And for what? More stuff. And more control over stuff that was never really ours to begin with. And when all is said and done, when our job as stewards of this world is over, do you think any of us are going to remember all the stuff we accumulated? Or will it be the pain of all the relationships we broke along the way that lingers? Amen?